All right, with that being said, we are transitioning from the book of Acts and heading to the Old Testament. And we're gonna look at this book called Judges. I'm gonna read three different sections of Judges, but by and large, what I'm gonna be preaching on is the entire book of Judges this morning. Now, it's impossible to do that, to read the whole book of Judges and, and, and to even say anything decently from that. So I'm gonna be pulling out themes from that. And hopefully, Lord willing, you have a greater appreciation for the book of Judges what it says and what it means. We are indeed asking why Judges. So with that being said, three texts, Judges 1.1, the first verse, Judges 2.16 through 18, and then Judges 21.25, the last verse. So Judges 1.1, after the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, who shall go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? Judges 2. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning, because of those who had afflicted and oppressed them. Finally, Judges 21, 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The first book of the Chronicles of Narnia is a book titled The Magician's Nephew. This is an often neglected masterpiece by C.S. Lewis, which is a shame. This book forms the prequel to books like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and on and on and on and on. And much like these other stories, this book is undoubtedly fantasy. The story contains magic rings taking people into worlds unknown from which mythical creatures are encountered and great stories are then unfolded. The fantasy of the book captures our imagination, but this is not what I want to focus on. In fact, my favorite part of the fantasy is the end of the book and what it means as you move forward in the series. You see, the main character, Diggory, takes a magical apple and plants it in a field in an English pasture. This apple eventually grows into this big tree that dies and falls over. The wood from this tree, though, was not to go to waste. Diggory, knowing its power, turns it into, if you know, a wardrobe. And that wardrobe becomes the doorway into the magical world of Narnia for Susan, Peter, Edmund, and Lucy in the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. So I have before you a question. Why the book of Judges? And to put simply, Judges is like the wardrobe, the magical wardrobe and the magician's nephew for you and me. Judges is a doorway into the world of the Christian faith. Look, some of you have no idea what the book of Judges entails. You've never read it. Some of you may have read it and are deeply offended by the stories that unfold in its pages. And trust me, the stories are offensive. Some of you don't know much about the book, but are certainly interested. You're ignorant, and that's okay. But as we study the book and come to see its messages, what I want you to see is that it is a vital place. It is a vital role in the story of our Christian faith. In fact, what I want you to see is that there are five vital aspects of our faith that Judges is a doorway into. Judges is a doorway into the Old Testament. Judges is a doorway to hell. 
Judges is a doorway to God's covenant. Judges is a doorway to the heart of God. And Judges is a doorway to the king. These five vital aspects of our Christian faith are put before us in the book of Judges. So before we study the book of Judges and see how beautiful and how vital it is for our Christian faith, I want you to see these five vital aspects that Judges helps us walk through and see. So first, Judges is a doorway to the Old Testament. I don't know if you've had the chance of reading the Old Testament. I highly recommend you doing it, especially if you're a Christian. But here's what's gonna happen when you start reading it. And if you have read it, you will see that it is a very difficult book to understand, at least in some parts. There are several chapters throughout the Old Testament that are difficult to grasp. They just consist of laws and making sure that the bull is the, the certain type and then you have to cut it a certain way. And, and that's hard. And then there's chapters in like the book of Numbers where there's census numbers and it's like this many people in this tribe were 400,000 and this many... And you're just like, what am I reading? On top of that, there are names that are difficult to pronounce. There are places you have no context for. And it's just truly, frankly, an ancient text because it's thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. But as Christians, here's the reality of the Old Testament. It is as much a part of Scripture as the New Testament. And so while it is foreign to us and difficult to grasp and hard to understand and sometimes hard to push through, it is vital to our faith that we read it, understand it, appreciate it, pray it, and so on. And here's the thing. There are some books in the Old Testament that are vitally helpful to growing in our appreciation and our understanding of the Old Testament. And Judges, for me, personally, is the doorway into appreciating the Old Testament. Take, for example, Judges 1.1. It's printed for you in your bulletin. It reads, after the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. This phrase is actually a very historical phrase. Did you know that there's three other books in the Bible that start with the death of? The book of Joshua starts with the death of Moses. Then Joshua, Judges, begins with the death of Joshua. Second Samuel begins with the death of Saul. Second Kings, after the death of Ahab. What I want you to see in, in this rep repetition of the death of is that this is a historical book of what has happened. And with history comes all of access to the Old Testament. Judges is, to me, kind of the linchpin of the Old Testament. Because from Judges, you can go all the way back to Abraham and learn about the covenant God made with Abraham. And then from Judges, you can go all the way to 2 Kings, where, where Judah, the southern tribe of Israel, is taken away to Babylon and you learn all those things. But in these stories comes access to the Psalms and the Proverbs. In these texts comes access to the prophets, both the major prophets and the minor prophets. This book is a doorway into this world that is so vital to our Christian faith. It's a book that contains dozens of fascinating stories that hold our interest from cover to cover. It's like a Star Wars movie where my five-year-old watched last night from start to finish, all two hours and 15 minutes, and his attention held to it. Judges is like that for the church. We may be young in our faith, but it holds our attention, and it enters us into a world so vital to our Christian faith. Look, for me, when I began studying the book of Judges closely, I couldn't believe how much the Old Testament came to life, and I know it can come to life for you. Kids, as you hear the stories that will be preached on, 
I want you to take those stories and reenact them with your parents. As Ehud, the left-handed soldier, walks in to Ehud, the, or Eglon, the fat king of Moab, and he takes his sword and he shoves it into fat, and the fat covers the sword. I want you to enact that with your fat dad, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding, dads. But do that. Use your imagination. Join the story of judges. They're fascinating. They come to life. Maybe you want to be like Samson and stand between two pillars and push the pillars aside, bringing death to all the Philistines who are in his presence. I mean, the story's fascinating, but from this one story comes life from the Old Testament. It's so vital to our faith. Judges is a doorway to the Old Testament, but it's a doorway to other realities. So first, it's a doorway to the Old Testament. Let's study it and read it that the whole Old Testament might come to life. But secondly, Judges is a doorway to hell. Judges is a doorway to hell. What is hell? Church, what is hell? Hell is life without God. Hell is the place where God is not. And look at how Judges ends. The last phrase of Judges, verses 21, 25, the last phrase of that particular verse, look at what it says. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. One of the things that we're gonna come to in the book of Judges is that the people did what was right in their own eyes, and because of that, because they refused the way of God and life with God, they brought hell on themselves. We're gonna interact with a man named Jephthah who makes a vow that leads to the sacrifice of his daughter. You realize this is an abhorrent reality in the people of Israel. This is what people like the Egyptians did. This is what people in Canaan did. This is what the Moabites did, but not God's people. Not God's people. They don't sacrifice their children, but Jephthah does. The last story in the book of Judges is one that we've even talked about as a church staff of how do we even teach it with the presence of kids in the audience. It's so bad, so abhorrent, so like not even rated R, worse than rated R. How do we talk about someone who's killed and then shipped to all parts of Israel in their body parts? Life without God is hell. And the reality of Judges is that what we see in its pages is hell put before us. And we might hate the idea of hell. We might hate even thinking about what hell is, but here's the reality. Hell is a vital part to the Christian faith. In the 1800s, and before the 1800s, both the first and second great awakening, do you know one of the most vital parts that brought about the Christian revivals that took place in the 17 and 1800s? It was people's imagination thinking about hell. Perhaps one of the most famous sermons preached during this time was sinners in the hands of an angry God. The idea of hell is something that scared the imagination of God's people and it caused them to move towards repentance. Judges does this same thing for us. It shows us what life without God is like, that it is a living hell. It's important for us to realize these things that we might cry out to God and move towards him. Judges is a doorway into this hell, and we're gonna encounter it over and over and over again. In fact, one of the most telling things about the book of Judges 
is that things spiral out of control more and more and more. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Because when you do things in your own eyes, you bring upon yourself the living hell. Judges is a doorway into that hell. But Judges is not only a doorway to the Old Testament, and it's not only a doorway to seeing hell. Judges is a doorway to covenant living. Judges is a picture of what life with God looks like. I want you to understand this. We don't teach this very well in the modern church, and I'm not gonna throw stones at any particular church, including our own, but we have to see that God relates to his people through covenant. It's always been that way. It was a covenant established with Abraham in Genesis 12 and continued through people like Isaac and Jacob, who becomes the people of Israel, the 12 tribes who find their way to Egypt. It's always in relation to covenant. The covenant that we have as God's people today is in relation to the new covenant through Christ's blood. It is always a covenant. And Judges is a picture for covenant living. What does it mean to be life, do life with God? And one of the things that I want you to see is that there's going to be cycles throughout the life of Israel in the book of Judges. This is where kids, I printed out this bulletin, or we printed out this bulletin so that you might see the cycles Kids, the cycles of judges that you will see. And I'll teach this to the church. There's sin that leads to repent or oppression, and then oppression leads to repentance, and repentance leads to God bringing judges. Look at Judges 2, verses 16 through 18. We'll just look at this. Who raised up the judges? God raised up the judges, who saved them out of the hands of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judges. So here's, here's, here's what I want you to see. Covenant living is something that I, we talk about often in the life of our church. But in, in our particular, in our membership class that we do, I talk about what does it mean to live in this covenant relationship with God. And I take the church always to Colossians 2, 6, and 7. It's perhaps my favorite verse that describes Christian living. And it says this, just as you receive Christ, so walk in him. To cut things short, how do we receive Christ? Through repentance and faith. Similar things that we see in the life of the judges. So as we walk, and you've seen me do this before if you've been in the class, as we walk in our faith, in covenant relationship with God, our life looks like this, repentance and faith, repentance and faith. It's the same pattern we see in Judges. You see, Judges is a doorway into covenant living of repentance and of faith, and then of repentance and faith. Judges is a beautiful doorway into this covenant living so Judges is a doorway into the Old Testament. Judges is a doorway into hell. Judges is a doorway into covenant living. But fourth, Judges is a doorway to the heart of God. One of the greatest mysteries in the book of Judges that I don't know if I will be providing great clarity on, but I hope maybe even to touch on it, is that why doesn't God give up on his covenant people in this period? a people who whore after other gods. Why doesn't this God give up on them? I mean, how many times is he gonna just listen to them whore after other gods after he's brought up judges? How many times? It's never ending. 
Why does he continually show his covenant people grace? I don't know. It's the great mystery of the book of Judges, but he does it. And he does it, and he does it, and he does it. I intentionally did not read the end of verse 18, but here's what we see, the verse, end of verse 18 in Judges 2. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. It is a great mystery that God would take a sinful people and show pity to them, but this is what he does. And here we have the heart of God put before us. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Judges is a doorway to this heart. And we see that God's grace goes to the worst of people in this world. It does, because he's full of grace and mercy. It is true, and I want you to hear this, church. It is true that the foot of the cross is level. Ain't nobody have a foot up. Sinners, the worst of sinners, murderers, <laughs> adulterers, they are equal footing to those who have done what they were supposed to do all the days of their life. The heart of God is one of mercy and of relationship. So Judges is a doorway to the Old Testament. Judges is a doorway to hell. Judges is a doorway to covenant living. Judges is a doorway to the heart of God. But lastly, Judges is a doorway to the king. Judges is a doorway to the king. If you look at the last verse of Judges, the last verse, not the last phrase, I've already talked about the last phrase of Judges, but the last verse, you will see that it ends with this phrase. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Of course, when we ponder and we think about why is this the last verse of Judges, it doesn't take much of an imagination to realize that Judges was trying to help whoever's reading it realize we need a king. <laughs> I mean, all the things that I just read that people were doing, what was right in their own eyes. We need someone who comes in with strength and conviction and says, this is the way we're going. You cannot go this way or else you will live in hell. We need to go this way. And so Judges puts before us the need for a king. Now, there's much debate as to who wrote the book of Judges, and we don't know. But it is my conviction that it is something related to King David. It is, of course, a part of the Old Testament, and King David is the greatest king that has ever been known in Israel's history. It was David who God made a covenant with in 2 Samuel 7, saying, from you will always live someone on the throne. So David is the mighty king. So someone's connected to David, either in his courts or from history saying, hey, we gotta get back to David. God made a covenant with him. Someone wrote it and said, hey, here's what God is doing, but it's ultimately pointing us to the need for a king. See, Judges is a doorway to a king. But as Christians, who is that king? Of course, that is Jesus. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the son of David himself. Judges, friends, is ultimately a doorway to our king, Jesus. And you cannot study the book without bumping in to the great lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm late to this reality, 
but I recently started uh, studying Thomas Jefferson, reading his book, The Art of, or reading a biography of him called The Art of Power. And most recently, I finally learned the difference between Hamilton and Jefferson. I know, I'm late to the game. I don't know anything about the play. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> but I understand that ultimately, Hamilton was pro-monarchy, and he wanted a king, and Jefferson was pro-democracy. And he wanted the people to choose who was in charge. And of course, as an American, I'm on Jefferson's side, Democratic Republic. But as a Christian, guess what? I'm on Hamilton's side. As Christians, we are pro-monarchy because we have a king and his name is Jesus. And Judges is going to be a doorway into that king. If you don't know this, Know this now, you and I need a king who will rule and defend us, who will protect us, who will guide us, who will provide for us. And there is no greater picture of a king. American, hear this, there's no greater picture of a king than one who's willing to suffer in our place. This king is full of mercy because he climbed up on a cross and took the punishment we deserved and he took the punishment of all the judges and of all the people of Israel on himself. And he says, let it be done unto me. Of course, sin was nothing to him, nor was death. And he resurrected. And then this is important. He ascended. We just think of him ascending, going up into heaven. No, no, no. <laughs> Church, it's not just him going to heaven. We also know that ascension is going to a throne and the resurrected and crucified Lord our King Jesus sits on the throne where he rules and subdues us he defends he protects us and he provides for us and life indeed is better with this king and boy let me tell you judges is a doorway into this king it's a beautiful picture so here, here here's I'm just this is end this is it I cannot wait to study the book of Judges, to, to, to find out more about this king. I, I can't wait to study the book of Judges to find more of the heart of our God who is merciful and gracious. I, I can't wait to find out more about Judges, about how to live more faithfully in light of the covenant. I, I can't wait to study the book of Judges that I might ponder what life without God looks like and be reminded that our God is merciful and gracious, that life with him is good, and I cannot wait to study the book of Judges that we might have a doorway into greater understanding of how God has worked with his people in the Old Testament all the days of his life. I look forward to studying this. Indeed, it is a doorway into a magical place. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give thanks to you for the book of Judges. Yes, it is indeed difficult for our minds to understand but as we have considered this morning, there is so much for us to learn. I pray that as we study this book in the coming months, that you would indeed bless our study of this, that indeed you would be glorified, that, that our hearts would just be taken with how amazing you are, how beautiful a king you are, how gracious you have been to give us your word, to guide us and direct us. Lord, we pray that you would do this for your glory and our good. Amen.